Hello everyone, and welcome back to today's podcast. I mean, I should say this week's podcast, because uh, now with everything happening in quarantine, I am looking to do a weekly podcast. So, everyone, welcome to this week's podcast. Today we're going to be talking about uh, Percy Jackson, book two, The Sea of Monsters. Uh, to start off with this podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, three main points today. Character growth, continuous story, and, you know, fitting in with Greek, what's it called, uh, Greek mythology. Because that's what the Percy Jackson books are about, if you haven't picked up on it. If you're slow. No offense. But, uh, to start off, we're talking about character growth, and, uh... The reason I'm talking about character growth in the second book is because when you're making a book series, you should talk about, or not talk about, books on talk. You should make your characters grow. When, you know, in the first book, they don't have to be naive. But in the second book, they should be more prepared and smarter, at least, in uh, in the second book or the next book in the series. That's just how book series should progress. The characters are fluid. They're always learning. And that's what this book does really well. It takes the base... It takes the base... You know, what's it called? Like, what he said in... Uh, he wrote in the first book. Takes all the characters from Percy Jackson, Lightning Thief. You know, ages them up a year. And then makes them change. Because a year is a long time. Or at least a kid. He was 12 years old in the last book, and then now he's 13. That is a significant amount of time, at least for a kid that age. And Rick Gordon, he does it really well with how he portrays Percy Jackson. Uh, and, and the rest of the characters, like Annabeth, she grows. You know, she doesn't get angry at Percy as much, which, you know, if you're kind of around someone for a year, your thoughts about them change. And then when he introduces new characters, they go through the same growth throughout the book and then to the other books as well. And that's what a book should do. Like I've said, it our characters should grow and, you know, characters should change. Which, with the, all this growth happening in uh, the Percy Jackson and Olympian series, that kind of makes me, I'm not really get angry, but I have an issue with his later series. With this later series, they take, between books, it's about a few days, maybe a month, if that. And that's part of the reason why I don't, like, connect to those books. The characters grow, but you see their growth up front. And I personally like it when, you know, you portray Percy Jackson, Annabeth, and since Percy leaves, you know, all his friends for about six months or more, like, eight months, and then, you know, he sees them every once in a while and then comes back. It makes the change more satisfying. That, you know, we didn't see the change. The change happened. It feels more genuine. And when, you know, all the books are happening in the span of a week, you don't see change. You just see... You just see aging, I guess. Like, it doesn't seem as real as when it happens over a long period of time and happens autonomously. Like, big events don't 
shadow these characters, which that happens, and it shouldn't happen often. I mean, you know, a character gets kind of pushed forward, you know, by an event or a character or another character pushes a different character forward. Those, you know, those, those are very big in the story and should be big in the plot. But it's these little kind of more normal things. When they push a character along, it feels more genuine. It feels like you can put yourself in some of these characters' places, even though they're in a fake and fantasy world. And that's why the Percy Jackson and the Olympians, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, it just works. I don't need to give an explanation. All I need to know is it works. And, you know, if you read the book for yourself, most of you have. If you're, you know, most of you probably should have. Because it's very, very popular. And also quite, you know, it's popular. Do you need a different explanation? Yeah, it's good. You know, some popular books aren't that good. Or vice versa. But this is a good popular book that you guys should read. Okay. I've gone off topic from character growth. And another thing that these books do really well is continuing the story from where it left off in the previous book. And with these books, you know, taking place over five years, which is, you know, from when Percy is 12 to when Percy is 16, you know, that is a considerable amount of time. And when, you know, each book is over a summer, except for the third book, which is over a winter, a winter break, which is different. But with each of these, the story needs to keep going. It needs to flow. Because if a story doesn't flow, you can't really get it to your audience as well. You know, you got to have it, you know, it flowing while also progressing. You know, you can't have too much detail in a scene, which it will slow the scene down. But if you don't give enough detail, it doesn't flow as well. And that's, you know, what Rick Jordan does well in, these, in this first series. I'll talk about the later series later. I probably won't get. I'll, I'll try not to get caught up in the later series. I do have some issues though. But with it, Percy, you know, he grows, and when it comes back, he learns from his previous mistakes. Uh, you know, from the first book, he uses things that he learns from that and puts it towards this book. And you know, characters do change, and he learns the enemy, and th that's part. I guess I'll talk about the later books now, I guess. With some of these later books, like, we'll put the Here's Olympus on trial real quick. The story does flow, but at points, there's so many junctures that the characters go through, since it's like seven kids plus all of their friends that it shows points of view from, that the story seems caught up, like it slows down. And then it speeds up and then slows down. And, you know, it's not an enjoyable ride. The story isn't as, you know, smooth. It's kind of choppy in some parts. And if you read it, you will understand that. Where some parts get really drawn out. And they don't need to be drawn out. Like, they could have, you know, I'm not saying cut out 3,000 words to make it, you know, shorter. But you could probably, you know, do something about these, you know, choppy parts where, you know, just like the characters where they keep branching off. And then sometimes when they reconnect these branches, they don't, you know, doesn't go out really well. Like the characters treat something as nothing happened, but something minuscule happens, you know, they freak out. And 
I feel like that where he tries to continue with this, you know, Greek slash Roman uh, mythology that, you know, you're, you're getting hit with so much mythology that it doesn't work. The story just keeps like, he has to explain what each one is. But when you say the Hydra, you can just, you know, most people know what Hydra is. If you don't, that's sad. And then I feel like he kind of messed himself up, screwed himself up later by giving us in Percy Jackson this first series, all the easy mythology, all the mythology that we know. But when he tried branching out to more mythology and more characters, you know, relating to different gods and stuff, it kind of kind of made the waters choppy, you know? Story didn't flow as well. It didn't get to me as a young kid. I didn't really understand most of it. But now, you know, when I read it again, I kind of understand it. But when you're writing books that are meant for, like, 12-year-olds, you know, around that age group, you know, anyone can read it, but it's meant for younger teens and maybe some smarter kids, like, eight-year-olds and stuff. Like, that's what the Percy Jacksons. I think what he was trying to do, when he wrote these, I'm really kind of branching off, but I think what he went to do was you grow up with the character. Like, I started reading it when I was around 10, 11. I think it was 10. But, you know, I was close enough to that 12-year-old range that I kind of understood what was happening a little bit. But I think what he meant to do is when you start growing up and then you keep reading them and reading them, they start relating to you more because as you're growing up, the, the characters grow up with you. But I felt like that kind of was put to a halt when it came to the Heroes of Olympus because... All of those books, five books, each about 500 pages, took place over the span of a summer. Maybe a year. I don't know. But that is about 3,000 words, give or take. A lot. Of, give or take hundreds of words. But it's that where, you know, when you're dealing with that many words and with that little amount of time, you know, that could be interesting to some. But, you know... And you're reading them, and then when, if you're reading them when they start writing them, and you're waiting, you know, years, like two years, for a book to come out, and then it starts off right where the last one takes place, you kind of have to reread the last one. It's kind of counterintuitive. But with Percy Jackson, it kind of catches you up. You know, it talks about the encounters of the last book while keeping the story smooth. With, you know, the newer ones, he just kind of cuts out that recap, which was very minimalistic, you know. I didn't even notice until I started reading it. Then I realized it kind of explained the events of the last book, which would make sense. And it does make sense. It makes the story smooth in Percy Jackson while making it choppy in the later books. Because I think he took some shortcuts, you know. I'm trying not to blame him too much, but in my opinion, he took shortcuts which weren't needed. And some that kind of took away from the story and made the story more boring. But, you know, that's my personal opinion. Made the story maybe boring, you know, too long drawn out. And, you know, I've issues. Uh, I'll make an entire episode dedicated to issues with the latter half of the Percy Jackson series. But, yeah, that's just the story doesn't flow as well. It doesn't flow. In later series, but he does a good job at making the story flow and feel genuine in 
the Percy Jackson books, at least the first four. The fifth, I do kind of have an issue with, but, you know, we'll get there when we get there. As you know, from the second book, not the entire series, but the second book does, it picks up from the last one, and, you know, it kind of eases you in with, you know, him going to school. That's the easiest way to ease a character, or ease reader in. It's just average school life, and that's what he does. And that's what I liked about this book is, you know, maybe sure, and though, you know, it may not have that much action in it, like this, and this one has the least amount of action, even from the first book, but it still felt enjoyable because this one was focused on the plot of the story. Not, you know, it progressed the characters, but it wasn't solely focused on the characters. It, this one, like the last one, was focused on about the characters and starting a story. This one is continuing the story and aging the characters, you know, making them grow. And that's what I like about it, is it makes sense to real life. This is what would happen. And last, we get to our points, which I kind of glazed over a little bit in the last point, which is Greek mythology, how he picks it up. And this one, I kind of cover some of the things that he addresses. He addresses, since I read The Odyssey, I read it in high school, I think. Every high school reads it, unless there's an issue. Unless it's like a private high school, maybe, I don't know. But, uh, since I read it, I understood more about these mythology. Like, if you do read this, there's a story about nobody and... Was it Polyphemus? I think that's his name. The Cyclops. And then it talks about the Sea of Monsters. That's the main thing. The Bermuda Triangle, as it is known in this book. As it was located... At least the Sea of Monsters in Greek mythology was located somewhere in the Mediterranean Sea. But, you know, it takes place, you know, here in the Bermuda Triangle. Because if, you know, I didn't cover this in the last one. I should probably say no. But I didn't cover this in the last one. But since all these mythology moved in the Americas, you know, North America, which apparently that's where some fire, that's where everyone is kind of. Where everyone wants to go, it's that dream. So the gods moved there. That's kind of the whole basis of it. You know, not in the first book. I just didn't cover that. But uh, in the second book, it shows like, oh, the Sea of Monsters is there. And even though they covered some of the Sea of Monsters in the first book, at least the Odyssey, the uh, Lotus Eaters, with uh, which is in the first book, and I don't want to spoil that too much. That is an interesting encounter. That was interesting. That was interesting. <laughs> that was fun to read the first time. And the first book has this kind of air of mystery around it. Like, since the character's figuring out, you don't know what's Greek mythology or what's not Greek mythology. But in the second book, you start realizing it more. You're like, wait, that doesn't make sense. And then you realize, oh, that's, that's a Greek monster. And... This one kind of, I think, is this the one? I mean, it kind of grows on the gods a little bit and how they pressure maybe their kin into doing certain things that their child wouldn't do unless they were pushed. Figure of speech, actually. I don't think, I, no, we're not pushing, chil <laughs> pushing children on this podcast, but it's just interesting and kind of brilliant on the author's part. To kind of make these gods, you know, these gods amongst men, you know, and make them more relatable. 
And again, that's what the later books struggle with, is they make these gods too unrelatable, and these monsters too unrelatable. But some of them are pretty cool. Uh, I guess from now on, I'll talk about my favorite Greek mythology they implemented in the book. Uh, and that's gotta be the Hippocampus, I think that's what it's called. It's like, uh, oh, seahorse? It is a seahorse, but it's like a big seahorse that they ride. And I like those because they're reoccurring. I like reoccurring myth. I like reoccurring elements as long as they're not done too much. And they're done to the right amount. It happens in like this book, and I think it happens in a later series, in the later part of this series, I think. I think they come back, but they do come back in the Heroes of Olympus as, you know, helping. Because, yeah, they, they help Percy Jackson along his way. And if I have to rank this book, I'll give a quick ranking. Uh, this book is definitely number four on the list. Not because, not four out of five. I'll just give my press ranking. So this book is fourth. Uh, actually, no, this book, you know what? I'm, I'm changing my mind on the podcast. That's not a good sign. I'm changing it to number five. Not because it's a bad book. It's a great book. And I do recommend it. Uh, to me, it gets like a 7.5 out of 10. But not because it's a good standalone book. It's a good book in a series. If you take a book, look at the whole series, this book has the most growth. At least, you know, most personal growth. But it's the shortest book. And that's what I don't really like about it. Is it's so short. I could read it in about like a few hours. It's, it's you know, enjoyable, but then again, not enjoyable because of how short it is. And that's just you know, nine gut, no, no, no bueno. You know, I think a book should have some length on it, but not too long. Again, that's what the later books struggle with. I've been saying that a lot. Later books struggle with, skin in my mind, but. They are too long, and sometimes too overly long. Like, yeah, the first two books, which are basically origin stories, they deserve to be long. You know, it's implementing new characters and new ideas. That deserves to be long. But having with the third book, you know, it just felt too long and too many... He, he probably felt pressured to make more branching paths, but... When those branching paths are making the book too unbearable to read, you know, kind of got an issue there. But it, this book gets a 7.5 even for how, uh, 7.5 about 10 for how, you know, low it is. And it's my fifth book in the series. Uh, the first book, that's, that is number two on my list. My number two. I'm thinking right now on my list, but yeah, it's number two on the list, the first book, just because. It kind of opens your eyes to this new world that he's created, the author. And, you know, this idea gets old. And as an author, you should probably keep resurfacing some ideas, some new ones, bring back some old ideas. But, you know, with these later books, it's not a good mix. There's too much new stuff to new ideas. Like, new. When I say new ideas, not meaning like new modern, like, 2020 ideas, I'm meaning, like, new mythology. Like, he brings in too many characters, beliefs, without kind of resurfacing and, you know, regrowing some of his old characters. 
So, like, you probably influence a character, and then that character gets forgotten. And that happens a few times with some side characters and some kind of points where, like, something happens and it feels like you forget about it. But that doesn't happen in the first five books of Percy Jackson. You know, it's a good mix. He introduces new characters while making some old characters have character growth and, you know, start having some new ideas. And maybe they change sides to the bad side or the good side. Spies, it's <laughs> it gets really detailed in the latter half of the series. But, yeah, that's why, you know, this has a good mix of new and old ideas while also keeping it to its roots, keeping it to that old Greek mythology comes back to life idea. That's just the main idea around the entire series. And this book has a good point of going back to that, even though it's the second book. Well, later books struggle with that a little bit as they kind of get lost up in this new world, which happens a lot and probably should happen a lot. Now, it should, but just because it's so easy to get lost. But yeah, that's, that's the ending rant. And to finish off, thank you guys all for listening this far, at least. Remember, you know, if you can, you know, share this with your friends. I may rant a lot, and you should probably tell them that I'm not a very facts person. This is my opinion. This is my podcast. If you don't believe with, if you don't agree with me, then that's not my problem. That's just my opinion. But I uh, think you guys all for listening right now uh, on this weird time right now we have with the quarantine. Next episode, uh, you know, got book three coming out in two weeks, you know. And next we're going to be covering Gregor the Overlander. The first book. And that is by Susan Collins. Thank you all for listening. See you next time.